0: Step up to a NordicTrack treadmill with iFit. iFit controls speed, incline, and decline, which means the treadmill automatically mimics the changing terrain on the screen or adjusts the speed to the trainer's cues without you having to touch a thing. Explore NordicTrack treadmills at nordictrack.com. Here's to better skin. Curology makes powerful, personalized skincare formulas prescribed by real licensed dermatology providers. Go to Curology.com slash AMR for a free 30-day trial. Just pay $4.99 shipping and handling. Acorn TV is a subscription streaming service from AMC Networks that offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain, Ireland, Australia, and beyond, all commercial-free. To try the service out and get your first 30 days free, go to acorn.tv and use promo code AMR. Welcome to another mother runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. My co-host today is Liz Waterstrat. Hello, Liz. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing today? I am good. I'm good. It's a sunny day here in Portland after, a gosh, yesterday was such a rainy run. It was, and it was warm. It was in the fifties. So it was almost balmy and balmy's not a um, state that I like running in. <laughs> But it was a very fruitful day in terms of found change. And um, Liz, you know of my obsession with finding change on the run, like actual literal change.
1: I have picked up on this across all of the another mother runner platforms that there is quite this like underground movement of found change. Didn't someone just post a, a document of all their haul that they found in 2020
0: Oh, my gosh. I wonder if it was Samantha down in San Antonio. I missed that. I need to find that. Oh, my gosh. Well, I I I tallied for the year what I found. And, you know, um, as you may well know, um, 2020, there was a coin shortage because people were, um, you know, a lot of factors. And so, um, but I still managed to find, well, I found a wallet with $65 in it, but I immediately got it back to the owner, but by the rules, um, and bylaws drafted by Molly McWilliams, Williams, and myself, um, we, we are allowed to count that, uh, I'm allowed to count that in my total. So I got 65 from that, but then in terms of, um, found money that I actually still have in my possession, $20 and 78 cents and including one dollar, one, one dollar bill. And the rest was all change, including my gosh, in December, I found 83 pennies.
1: This is amazing to me. This is not something that happens in the Midwest where I run. People don't just scatter change all over the trails, but you know, who couldn't use a little bit of spare change like that? Yeah. And it's, it's,
0: It definitely is not the monetary value at all. It's the excitement of finding something that has value. Like when I see one of those placards, you know, those old plastic things, I don't get excited when I see that because there's a lot of those on the ground here too. But, you know, to find a penny, it just gives me a ping of joy that never diminishes. Like it's always exciting for me. And I realize that is silly for a grown-up, but, but I'm going with it. And so, so, um, so yesterday I was running with my new in 2020 running buddy, Trisha. And so, and it's amazing that she and I run on a lot of the same routes that I go on with Molly and Trisha and I, I rarely, rarely have found money with Trisha before yesterday. I had only found one penny when I was running with her. And so she and I were running this route that um, we hadn't done for. Her. I took her around a couple of different parks and we were going down this one long street and I was telling her this story about when Molly and I were on the exact same street down at the end of it. And just this whole silly story about us getting so excited over a nickel and so I tell her that story and cause the, you know, it's riveting conversation, obviously. And um, so then we get down, you know, 90 seconds later or something, we were down near this, right near the spot where Molly and I fought over the nickel and I scream out quarter and I bend down to pick it up. And I'm like two quarters and Trisha has kept going the same way. She did not turn around with me. And I hear her say. <laughs> Say, I get a quarter too. And I scream out without thinking, I go, They're both mine. I found them
1: This poor woman. Here's the real question. Is she ever going to run with you again, Sarah? Okay, no, 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 but the the
0: kicker is is what she me- I thought she meant that oh there's two of us, there's two quarters, we have to divvy them up. I'm thinking, uh uh uh, that's not the way this game works. What she actually meant was she had found she had continued going straight and found a third quarter. And so so anyway, so she Trisha I I just adore Trisha and she she um, holds up a mirror to me where she reflects goodness in me that I don't see. And, you know, that's a very valuable quality in a friend. And so I said, Trisha, I'm sorry, you just saw the true me. Like, that's my black heart.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, whenever it takes to get out there and run, yeah. is. if this is your thing, that you go out there and it's not running, it's just hunting for spare change. Mm-hmm. Then, then that's that's a beautiful thing, and and that you found someone to share that with just warms <laughs> my heart. <laughs> oh. There are
0: days that I spe- I'm like, ah, oh, it's not great weather, or whatever. I'm like, yeah, but I might find I yeah. might find some money, and I'll get are out there know? and and you know do a mo money route. That's what we call the you know like kind of guaranteed <laughs> streets for finding change. And then I ended up finding a dime. Um, But then that was very funny. It was kind of a little hidden under a car. And I yell out, dime. (laughs) And Trisha goes, the time? And she looks at her watch. I'm like, no, I found a dime. So it was like a Evan Costello routine or something. It was just silly.
1: (laughs) So I have to ask, what do you do with all of this wealth?
0: I, I store it in my closet. And I just, I keep it, um, like uh, Molly um, stitched me, uh, kind of embroidered this darling little pouch, um, kind of a felt and fabric pouch. Um, and so that I store it month by month in there. So, you know, now all my January changes in there. And the end of January, I count it, I, t- I put it in, a, I make a notes in my iPhone, and then I store it in a jar. And then at the end of the year, I make the annual tally. And then I just stockpile it like it's you know, pickles or peaches or, you know, know, tomatoes from my garden or something. (laughs) uh, I keep thinking that one day I will find like this fabulous pair of earrings or a pendant or something and use that money. But I just, I can't bring myself to do it. So, (laughs) so that's, I mean, that it has no value. It doesn't have monetary value to me. It just has excitement value. Well,
1: that's, that's, like i said if that's what gets you out there and gets the miles run right Then you go on keep on being your bad self there
0: (laughs) and uh uh oh and then i um ran by myself today and oftentimes have found in the past that like if there's a very fruitful spot that sometimes you don't find all the change because, like a parked car will move and there's more change under there so i'm like oh i'm gonna go past that spot i only found a penny but i did there we had missed a penny yesterday so yeah. I, I sent a selfie of me with the penny to Tricia. We had a laugh over that one. So, <laughs> um, oh my goodness. So, well, I'm going to um, cue up today's topic. And it is a guest by the name of Beth Probst. She is a Wisconsin mother runner of a young son, a self-proclaimed plus size runner in her forties. Beth took up running on a dare, which I am looking forward to hearing that story. She kept plugging along though. And just recently self, self-published a book, Called It Could Be Worse A Girlfriend's Guide for Runners Who Detest Running. We'll talk with Beth after this break. Stay with us. Whatever your reasons for running indoors, whether parenting duties, safety, or convenience, you owe it to yourself to get a Nordic Track treadmill with iFit Interactive Connected Technology. It's a game changer, as well as a mouthful. With a huge touchscreen, iFit transports you to an energetic studio workout class or stunning locations filmed in, get this, more than 40 countries across all seven continents. iFit offers up thousands of on-demand workouts from walking and hiking excursions up to speed building intervals and everything in between. There are even yoga, boot camp, and cross-training sessions that have you hopping off the treadmill. I am literally counting down the days to the delivery of my NordicTrack treadmill with iFit technology, five days as I record this. After scheduling a day and time for my white glove delivery, I tweeted my glee and Cassie, a young grandmother runner in Maryland, replied that she's been all over the world on her Nordic track with iFit, German Christmas markets, ghost tours in New Orleans, Kilimanjaro, the islands, and TED Talks. Everyone can choose their own adventure, she says. Ooh, I can't wait. Now I'll just have to scatter quarters, pennies, and dimes on either side of the well-cushioned belt so I can still find change when I run. To see what I get to experience in just a few days and what treadmill adventures could await you, head to NordicTrack.com. That's N O R D I C T R A C K.com. See where you can go with NordicTrack Treadmill with iFit. NordicTrack.com. I don't know about you, but no matter what age I am, I struggle with my skin. That's why I was glad to be recently introduced to Curology. Curology makes powerful, personalized skincare formulas prescribed by licensed dermatology providers. Whether it's fine lines, flaky skin, or breakouts, Curology helps in addressing your unique needs. It's nifty how it works. To get your custom treatment plan, you go to Curology website to answer a few questions about your skin and send a couple of selfies. Next, Curology matches you with a licensed dermatology provider who will get to know your skin and customize a prescription cream for your needs. After that, your formula arrives in the mail. It's that simple. No office visit, no copay, And Curology can adjust your formula as your skin changes with follow-up online check-ins that take just a few minutes. For me, Curology nailed it on the first try. My concerns were fine lines, which were, alas, becoming less fine, as well as blotchy, uneven skin tone. Seeing myself on countless Zoom calls each week wasn't helping matters. I received three products, a cleanser, a moisturizer, and a prescription cream dialed just for me. After using the trio every night for a few weeks, the flaky patches on my cheeks were a thing of the past, my lines seem less prominent, and my skin tone looks more even, both in the mirror and on Zoom. It's worth noting, I am also amazed by how generous the initial one-month supply of products is. Curology doesn't skimp on quality or quantity. Do what I did and make the switch to Curology today. Go to Curology.com AMR for a free 30-day trial. Just pay $4.95 shipping and handling. That's C-U-R-O-L-O-G-Y.com slash AMR to unlock your free 30-day trial. You can also check out Curology.com for all the details. As winter weather and other factors keep us inside, pretty much my number one way to mentally escape is to snuggle up and get swept away by a show. PJ's blanket, hot chocolate, and the remote. That's me most evenings. And nothing transports me better than watching brilliant TV from across the pond. As a serious Anglophile, I have to have Acorn TV. Acorn TV is a streaming service that's rooted in British television. Their extensive catalog includes exclusive, award-winning mysteries, dramas, comedies, documentaries, and more. Programs are from Britain, Ireland, Australia, and beyond, often also set in those breathtaking landscapes and cities. For a while there, I was watching so many shows set in Scotland, it's amazing I don't have a brogue. Sigh. Acorn TV also has loads of original content. I was riveted by David Tennant in a suspenseful Scottish mystery called Deadwater Fell. And next up in my queue is London Kills, a sleek mystery series set in, you guessed it, England's capital city. You can stream Acorn TV on your favorite devices and you get thousands of hours of refreshing new content for a fraction of the cost compared to most streaming services at just $5.99 a month. Escape to Britain and beyond without leaving your couch, or in my case, bed. To try the service and get your first 30 days free, go to acorn.tv and use promo code AMR. That's A-C-O-R-N n.tv with promo code AMR to get your first 30 days free. Acorn.tv promo code AMR.
1: Welcome, Beth. We're so glad to be talking with
2: you. Super excited to be here.
1: Hey, Beth, uh, really excited that you're here today. And I know that we are new in the year here and that 2021 actually marks sort of a milestone year for you because it's been a decade since you started running. So I was wondering if you would tell us a little bit about your running journey, how you got started and where it's taken you these last 10 years.
2: Um, Well, I actually got started running after drinking a few too many mojitos with friends. Um, (laughs) Very active person, but I was not a runner. I probably hadn't run since middle school, but I had a bunch of friends over back when we could have friends over and we were doing the Mexican thing, drinking the mojitos, Um, because I have a mint garden. Oh, nice. I had a couple of friends sipping water, counting tortilla chips, and um, asked them why, and it happened to be summer solstice, and they had to leave at 10 that night to do a midnight run, Wow! and then the next morning, they were going to get up and do a 10k or something, and I sort of looked at them, and I'm super competitive by nature, and thought to myself, well, if they can do it, why can't I, and Didn't really say anything. And then the next morning I was sitting on my deck, sipping my coffee with a little bit of a carb hangover and thought, you know what, why not? So I signed up for a half marathon (laughs) and 15 weeks later did my first race.
1: That was going to be my next question. Is this, this idea that you went from not being a runner to a half marathon in 15 weeks and, you know, putting my coach hat on, this is not the best decision. It's a bit aggressive. So what was your motivation there? I mean, why not start with a a 5k or just committing to a
2: running habit? Why did you go for the, the full, um, the half marathon? Um, well, I would say I'm not the smartest runner and I'm also a super stubborn fin and there happens to be a half marathon that starts by my house. And so for me, it was I was talking to a couple of friends and I said, Yeah, I think I'm going to run a half marathon. And they gave me that look. And it was sort of like, huh, you've never said you wanted to run ever. Why would you say that? And as soon as I saw that look, I was like, I'm in now I have to <laughs> Save face and I never looked back, but I, I did make a promise to myself that I've kept for 10 years that I would not lose a toenail. And that was sort of my line. If I lost a toenail meant it was time to quit. And <laughs> that's been my bar ever since And I talk about that quite a bit in my book. It's hilarious.
0: It's also like something that's sort of out of your control. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm never going to, you know, run north. Like, that's something you can control. But like, I don't know, maybe.
1: <laughs> a sign <laughs> from the universe. Right. That, that it's not meant to be. The toenail falls off. <laughs>
2: I'm not saying any of this is logical, but you know, it works for me. <laughs> that's right. All right. So let's
0: back up a bit. The title of your book. You got to explain the thoughts and the feelings behind the phrase, it could be worse.
2: Um, so I had thought a little bit about naming it back of the pack. I think, you know, the heart of the book is this really is almost a prequel to running or for people who just want to finish. It's not really a, a book about how to run better or faster. It's just, man, I don't think I can be a runner and me sort of saying, Hey, if I can do it, literally you can. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I always love doing runs is when people say, Oh, you're almost there. And you sort of look at them like. Really? No. <laughs> I have four miles to go and no. <laughs> so it could be worse is this idea of, you know, it could always be worse, it could be better, but really, um, usually what's going through my head is that's how I keep going is just telling myself, well, it could always be worse.
1: <laughs> what a what a great motto for, for life, for anything in life, you know, and and just keeping the focus on The fact that you get to do it and it could always be worse no matter what you're going through. Um, On your website, Beth, you say that your book is, in a nutshell, it is about progress, not perfection. So tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Um, And I I think that's a big, sort of the heart of the book. Um, I tend to be a perfectionist by nature. I like to be good. I mentioned I'm really competitive. Mm -hmm. And I knew when I signed up for a half marathon, my goal had to be just to finish. This was not something I was going to finish in the top five, the top half, the top 70%, um, partially because I am um, a plus size person. And so, you know, the heart of the book, the heart of my story is that you can just show up and finish and that can be enough. And so often in life, you know, or you got to do better. You got to be better. You got to eat better. You got to perform better. You got to run faster. And for me, I was like, what if I just said, I'm just going to cross that finish line and that's going to be enough. And that's been a huge journey for me. That's a huge mind shift for me. Mm-hmm. And so often when I talk to my friends who are on the fence about running, the thing that gets in their way is this idea of, well, if I run, I have to run like this versus just I'm just going to show up in my sweatpants and put one foot in front of the other and see how it feels and just keep showing up and, and see where I land. So. It's
0: mm-hmm. a good guiding principle. Yeah. Yeah. So in the chapter called race week, I love this bit. You wrote, um, but here's the thing. I'm acute, acutely aware that I don't know what I don't know. I turned to my finisher friends online and asked the question, how did you know you wouldn't die your first race? So take us back in time to, uh, in that point of your running life, Um, you know, and maybe that was hyperbolic, maybe it was real, this concern that you might not stay upright for all 13.1 miles.
2: I, you know, so the day I ran my first race, I had never run more than 11 miles in my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I knew, I mean, I work in healthcare. I talked to my doctor before signing up for this. I wasn't in totally insane. I knew I wouldn't actually die, but I did have this notion of, like what happens at mile 11.1 or 11.5 and how do I know like, oh, you better quit or something bad's going to happen there. You know, you sort of talk, your, I talk crazy to myself all the time and that that was a real thing and it tends to be how I am when I got married. I asked probably 50 people, how did you not get divorced or why did you get divorced to try to like self-analyze all the things that could potentially go wrong. It's it's a good or bad habit depending on the question. <laughs>
1: So Beth, I remember when I did my first triathlon, I crossed the finish line and I just had that feeling of having to do it again. You know, I, I quote unquote caught the bug. So I'm wondering when you crossed the finish line, when you didn't die after mile 11, did you, did you want to race again? And if so, how many races have you done since that first one?
2: Um, so I definitely crossed that finish line. And the competitive part in me immediately kicked in and said, oh my gosh, I could have run this so much faster. Why didn't I run faster? And I want to say I signed up for my next half probably that weekend. Um, And then, of course, reality hits and then I didn't train the way I was supposed to. and I shaved time off, but I definitely didn't improve the way my head was telling me I would when I crossed the line at the first one. Um, but since then, I've done probably just over a dozen half marathons. And then about six or seven years into my running, I started doing some 10Ks and 5Ks, partially because I had a baby and I was getting burned out and wanted to mix things up. So I've probably done 20, 30 races or so. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, so again, I want to back up that it
0: occurred to me that so you were like the big unknown was going to be that 11.1, 11.2. So, I mean, what was it like for you during that final 2.1 miles of the half marathon when you went further than you'd ever gone before in mean, both physically and mentally?
2: You know, that first race, I held back so much because I was so afraid something bad was going to happen. I would say I probably started running and running for me is pretty much waddling, Um, about mile 12. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, that last sort of the finisher shoot last block, I was running probably faster than I've run in 20 years, and it felt absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, it wasn't so much, I mean, obviously, the time didn't really matter to me, but it was just this idea of, people seeing me and going, "Huh, if she can do it, I could almost like see the wheels turning. And that's part of, you know, what led to this book is usually because I love posting finished photos on Facebook or wherever on my blog and stuff. And people will often reach out to me and ask the question like, well, how did you do it? And what they're really asking is, well, if you could do it, why aren't I doing it? And Mm. um, so it was a really inspiring moment for me and um, pretty much has happened every time since.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, and that brings us to um, a question that your book is very candid, which we, we love that. Um, and it's written very much through your lens of life, um, which makes sense. And, you know, part of that is you being a plus size runner. So talk about some of the added concerns or issues or hurdles, again, both physical or mental, mental, that bigger runners face that smaller runners don't and how you tackle some of those issues.
2: Um, I think, you know, for me, part of it is really managing expectations. One, you know, I've never wanted to hurt myself or push myself to a point where I have a long term injury. And so keeping that perspective is really important. I think so many of the other insecurities that I have, um, runners of every size have. And I think that's part of what's always baffled me is I'll be talking to someone who's in way better shape than I could probably run a half marathon or a 10k with, you know, a month of training and be fine. And they'll look at me and say, well, I could never do that. And, you know, that's often what's going through our minds as well. Um, it's just, there's sort of the stigma of can she do it and why would she do it? And is it safe? And I think, you know, working with my, um, primary care doctor who's amazing. It's been it's been a really good experience.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you know from having talked to some pro runners during my 10 years with AMR and before that as a freelance writer, you know, th- that no matter what size or speed or experience level, we are runners of all stripes face a a lot of the same hurdles. You know, I, I always stands out my mind that Kara Goucher was like, Oh, I don't know how people don't pee for, you know, those, those marathoners who take four or five hours. I don't understand how they don't go to the bathroom for four or five hours. So it's like, here we are like, how do you run so fast? And she's like, well, how do you hold your bladder for so long? So, so there's different concerns and, and, you know, and, and going faster is hard for everybody, no matter what speed they start out at. So. I think there's a more commonality and universality than we, any of us realize. Um,
2: yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing that's really helped me, and I think this is probably true for all runners, is to not compare yourself to other folks lining up. And that's particularly hard when you're my size. Um You know, you go try to go shopping and the clothes don't fit, or you go to the starting line and you swear everyone's a size two, even though that's not true. That's what you see. And Mm -hmm. it's really easy to start feeling really out of place. And the one thing I do love about the running community is that people really are kind and they're really generous and they're really nice. And, you know, I'm always in the back of the pack. that's where I finish. That's where I start. And it's just a really fun atmosphere back there. And so it sort of helps you forget that um, this is a, it's a different tr- struggle, but it's sort of the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Beth, one thing that
1: comes across as we're talking to you is, is how much courage it took to, to do what a lot of people can't do. And that's just to simply set themselves in motion. So I, I think your story is really brave and courageous And and building on that, there's one chapter in your book entitled The Bus, and you write, I was tired of being the fat girl in the back, but not motivated enough to actually do something about it. So was there a turning point or a a race where you decided that you were going to do something about it, or you were going to shoot for a specific finish time beyond just finishing?
2: Um, You know, I think I always try to build on my last race and get a little better, um, in terms of a turning point, I think the race where I attempted to do a trail run and it was a really bad experience because of a lack of training. It was a, it was a really eye opening experience for me that, you know, running, you get exactly what you put into it. And I needed to maybe take it a little more serious, try to stick to the training a little bit more one to ensure I didn't get hurt, but two to maybe improve on my time. Um, all of that said, you know, I'm still finishing very much towards the back and i don't know if that'll ever change i think um you know i have a lot of energy this year and i want to revisit some halves if they happen and um but as far as a turning point and really improving my time i've never had that pivotal moment and i think that's almost another thing that makes this book a little different is so often you read memoirs and there's this turning point where the person loses 100 pounds or they qualify for boston or something crazy happens. And my book is really, I, I just keep showing up. And mm-hmm. my doctor even asked, she's like, if you hate running so much, why do you keep doing it? And I just sort of look at her and say, cause I can, why not? You know? And that's sort of my attitude in life right now. So, but do you really hate running? I do. Wow. And I. <laughs> I really, I, I love the idea of running and I love the planning and I love the buying the shoes and I love the feeling after um, but I don't I don't like sweating I don't like bugs <laughs> I don't like running on a treadmill and where I li- I mean I live in northern Wisconsin um, there's about three good running days a year and so <laughs> you know the the actual act, I, and I want to be honest about that because everyone keeps talking about this runner's high or like, you'll fall in love with the actual act of running. And I 10 years and I'm not there, but I also can't stay away. So Mm. there's Mm. that too.
0: Mm. Wow. That is just so ironic that then you wrote a book (laughs) all based around running.
1: (laughs) Um, So it, oh, go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say, I, I think that your feeling is is more common than you think. I mean, personally, I've been running since I was 12 years old. And these days when I go out and run, I can't say that I love running. You know, for a lot of the reasons why you mentioned, especially at this time of the year, it's really hard just to get your foot out the door and it's cold and it's uncomfortable. And what if you have to pee and there's nowhere to hide behind? Mm-hmm. And it's okay, though, because it doesn't have to be, you know, I think what you're telling people is it doesn't have to be this awesome, fluffy, unicorn, rainbow, smiley faces experience for it to be valuable. It can be just something that you get out and do, and you like eventually what it brings to you or the way you feel when you're done. Mm-hmm. So I think, it's, yeah, I think ab- it's really normal.
2: Absolutely. And I, I really do love the running community. I love telling the stories. I love taking the race photos. I love the fact that when you do have dinner parties, it's a conversation starter. I, there are a ton of things about it that I couldn't imagine not doing, but, um, yeah, no, it's just not something I, I get super excited about when it's like, okay, it's time to crank out five miles. And yeah. <laughs>
0: I think I need to invite both of you to come run in Portland, Oregon. So
1: we, so, we, do- so we can pick up change on the road, Sarah. <laughs> so,
0: well, I'll, 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 you know, shove you out of the way for that one. But uh, I won't share. But, <laughs> but, but you know, th- th- we don't have bugs. And um, so um, anyway, so, so in that same chapter, Beth, um, the bus chapter, I was really moved by your father-in-law's attitude towards your running and his support of it. And um, I wrote a blog post recently on our website about how we can each find inspiration, support in the most unlikely of places. And for me, it was um, a college professor um, of Russian who uh, led a study group that I went on. And um, so share a bit about your father-in-law and his offers of encouragement.
2: So my father-in-law is a hardcore runner. Mm. Um, He's older now, but when he was younger he lived for running and he lives he lives probably about three and a half hours away and I only get to see him a couple times a year but whenever we get together it's one of the first things he asks about and I'm really fortunate in that I don't have overbearing in-laws they're they very much like us to have our distance in our space but he's constantly sending me little tips or tidbits or things that he happened to stumble upon that he thinks might interest me and Mm he'll casually ask about, you know, how's running going or what are you training for? And it's just, it's a really nice connection. um, Mm -hmm. That's really natural and it's really meaningful to me um, and something that I really enjoy. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, I would say maybe a little bit unusual to have a a strong connection with a father-in-law. Like usually, you know, it's the mother-in-law who always looms large it seems in a lot of women's (laughs) lives either for better or for worse so i was really struck by oh look isn't that nice that it's the father-in-law who is giving you that support so that's wonderful
1: you know beth if you had to go back and and talk to the newbie version of yourself and thinking about maybe the support you would give that that runner what would you say is there anything that you would you would say based on what's happened to you anything you would do differently
2: um, I don't think so. You know, I, I had really great support. I, my support tended to be from runners who were a lot better than me. And so they, you know, they might give me advice that was a bit more, um, tactical. I think though, in terms of, if I could go back and tell myself anything, it would just be, you know, don't waste your time on the self-doubt. And I think that's true in so many aspects of life, but mm, mm-hmm. Um, you just you waste so much energy thinking of all the things that could go wrong or why you're not good enough or why you shouldn't be there or why you don't look like that person. And if if there was a way I could rewire my brain 10 years ago to just say, hey, you've earned a spot here like everyone else. And you know, maybe you haven't trained as hard, but you've trained and your your finishing time will show that, but it's still your finishing time in your story, and and you get to own that. So who cares? And, and so often you think it's like, oh, well, that person's looking at me funny. They're not even looking at you. You just, you know, they're probably squinting in the sun and you happen to be in front of them. And <laughs> you just make up these crazy narratives. And I, you know, I think I would tell that to any runner, like, mm-hmm. just don't compare yourself.
0: I tell my teenagers that all the time. I'm like, everybody else is so trapped in their own head that they're not even seeing you, you know, well
2: especially at the start of a race. I mean, I, everyone's. Just in their own mode, they could care less what you're doing. So.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, but how did you get to that place? I mean, um, you know, it, that's it's easy to say now, but I mean, did you work on it? Did you get, do some sort of self-talk? I mean, how'd you get to this place?
2: Um, you know, it's definitely been a journey, and it's it still happens. I won't say I show up, and I still don't. Those thoughts don't creep in my head, but you know, I think you get a couple of finishes under your belt and you sort of start telling yourself this, this is what matters to me. And this is what I want to accomplish. And if someone sort of, you know, someone's talking about their goal, just sort of say, well, that's great. Like there's not a finite number of goals. And if they have that goal, that means Mm -hmm. my goal is somehow less worthy or Mm -hmm. not as important or not as valuable. Um, so I try to do a lot of that, um, just working on, you know, personal growth and development, like we all are trying to find ways to be better. And, and for me, better is just being a little more comfortable with who I am and, and what I stand for and, and what I want to accomplish out of a race, which is frankly, cross the finish line with 10 toenails. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And gosh, I
0: just, I just love that your line, there isn't a finite number of goals. I just like, I don't know. Like, I think I mean, that's a tattoo or something.
2: Yeah. It's I, so true, I'm, you know, there's somehow someone doing their thing isn't in any way mean you can't do your thing, and it's so often we get struck on, oh, maybe my goal isn't good enough or the right thing because of what someone else says, and, and that's just really disappointing. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I think what you're really showing is that so much of our experience in the world is shaped by the stories we tell ourselves, and you, like any other normal person, person out there had some self-doubts and fears at the start time, but slowly over time you start to realize that I'm not the only one and it doesn't matter what's going on with everyone else. Everyone has their thing with some people you can see their thing and some people you can't, but it's just all about you at that start line. And that's all that's going to get you to the finish line. So I love how you've just sort of evolved your narrative and the story that you tell yourself. And even though it's not all positive, which is totally realistic, uh, it works for you.
2: Well, and I think that's part of the positivity of the story is just when things get hard, you know, you can quit, which I mean, a lot of people start training for a race and never finish or show up. Or you can just say, well, is it worth it enough to me to redefine what my goal is going to be and keep going? And for me, you know, I often find myself redefining times and goals all along the way, because to me, it is about finishing and it is about getting the medal that, you know, I have friends who could care less about the medals and I hang every single one of them in my office and they each have their own story and, and I'm totally happy with that. So
1: everybody has their own why, you know, why do I do this? Why do I keep going? And as long as you, if as long as that, why satisfies you, nothing else matters.
2: Uh, so let, true.
1: Yeah. So there's one chapter where you talk very candidly about your struggle with trying to conceive and, um, getting approved by the state finally to adopt, and then you find out—and here's a spoiler, alert, spoiler alert—that um, you got pregnant. Uh, and yes. you, yeah, and you write about returning to running after having your son. And I think this line will really resonate with all of our listeners out there. You said it turns out the whole mom thing is physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausting. And you know, as a as a mom of three, I'm I'm feeling you there. Um, so with that in mind. Tell us about how you you found the energy and the will to get back into running after having your child.
2: You know, it, it was such, it, you know, I, we wanted to have a kid for so long and then it was so unexpected when it happened. That was part of it um, was just sort of the being in shock um, when I found out I was pregnant and not thinking I could possibly be pregnant and then having Jake and then trying to return to running and still being plus size and and trying to do all the things and I think it you know it was virtually the same thing that happened in my very first race is I sort of looked at my husband and said you know I should run a race just to you know I need to have a goal or something and he sort of looked at me like Really, right now, like you're totally maxed out, and so you're going to run a half marathon. That doesn't really make sense. And again, it was that instant. If you think I can't do it, now I'm doing it, and that that was sort of the the trigger for me to start training. And then really, and I think a lot of new moms can relate to that. It was an opportunity to have some me time, and to not feel guilty about that me time because it was you know, it was doing, it was almost cause I was doing something I didn't enjoy. It didn't count it was like, well, this is almost like going to work. I'm, I'm doing this run Saturday morning. Cause I have this goal I have, I've committed to now. And so it, for me, it helped ease the guilt again, not saying that makes any sense to anyone, but in my head it did. And, and so I came to really embrace that time and then, um, was able to do the race that may.
0: Mm, mm. So how many months after Jake's birth was that?
2: Um, So he was born in August. Uh, So is that like eight or nine months after he was born? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Nice. Nice. So shifting gears a little bit to something all of us runners experience on some level, and that's fear. So you detail some of the ways you have overcome it along the way. So share some of those with us, please.
2: Um you know, I think, and it sort of goes back to the title of it could be worse as you sort of ask yourself, well, what is the absolute worst thing that could happen? And, you know, once I got past that first race and recognizing I wasn't going to die, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it really was, well, the absolute worst thing um, when I ran grandma's was I wouldn't meet the finisher time and a bus would sweep me off the course. And I sort of asked myself, well, okay, are you going to, not do the race because this bus might sweep you off the course? Mm -hmm. Or are you going to say, you know what, absolute worst case, the bus shows up. And as my husband pointed out, if there was a bus on my tail trying to pull me off a course at mile 12, I would stay one foot in front of it because I'm a stubborn Finlander and that's what we do. Um, But really, it's just sort of trying to, to ask yourself... You know, what's the worst thing that could happen? And is that worse than not doing it at all? And especially with running, because there's, I can make all kinds of scenarios up in my head. The thing that keeps coming back is I'd rather be the runner who finishes last than the runner who doesn't show up or the runner Mm. who quits running. And, and so often with those fears, the answer is the same. Well, if it happens, it happens. I'm going to be prepared and smart, but I'm going to keep showing up.
1: Mm. That's awesome. It's great, and that that phrase keeps showing up. Gosh, it's such a it's so so meaningful. And I think it was Des Liz, Linden who, when she won the Boston Marathon a few years ago, she explained her victory by saying she just kept showing up. And it just goes to show that it doesn't matter if you're back of the pack, front of the pack. The idea of just showing up and and keep putting yourself out there really pays off.
2: It does, and inevitably in running, I mean you're going to get faster by default, so um, that's another good reason to just, you know, that consistency piece is is definitely worth it. Right, so looking
1: ahead in 2021, do you have any races planned, uh, any goals that you're chasing after this year?
2: I have a girlfriend, um, she turned 50, we did a race right before COVID, the end of 2019, and she really wants to do her second half. And so she's asked me if I would do one with her. And um, I, I do find running with someone makes it a little more enjoyable. And so we are gonna do a half this year. We have we have three on the docket, not knowing which one will actually happen. We figure at least one of the three will happen um, in May and June. And so that's what we're gonna start training for. And. I have this sort of long-term goal of beating, you know, doing a half and under three hours, which is not necessarily a fast time by anyone's standards, except for mine. Um, I missed it by just a few minutes in grandma's, which was one of the last races I did before the pandemic hit. And so that number is definitely out there and something I think at this point in my life, I'm ready to beat. So yeah, that's the plan for this
0: year. Nice. Nice. Well, we'll be cheering you on and um, thanks so much for joining us and sharing of yourself, Beth. It was really enjoyable. Thank you. Oh, I'm so glad we had that conversation. I just um, love person who's honest like that and says she hates running and then, you know, still is out there chugging away. That was awesome.
1: Yeah, she she was awesome. Talk about someone who is just content with who they are and where they are and mm-hmm. proud of herself. And I think she's really going to speak to a lot of the listeners out there because mm-hmm. I think there's a, a lot of women runners who for them taking that first step was a big deal. And mm-hmm. they're finishing in the back of the pack. And you know, it's funny because over the years, I know athletes who get injured and for whatever reason, they, they have to, they're in the back of the pack because they're walking mm-hmm. or, or whatever. And, I can't tell you how many times they say, gosh, that's where the party's at. That, that's where the fun is happening. They're just more laid back and more real and more helpful versus everybody who is up in front chasing after a goal. And they're so, you know, I don't know. They're they're in their own frenzy. So, uh, yeah. yeah, she's, she just, I loved her perspective.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. So, all right. Well, registration for our th- the third iteration of our virtual race series, which is called Love the Run Your With. It opens on Monday, January 18th. And um, Love the Run Your With is four months of training with a virtual event every month. And Coach Liz is one of the coaches who will guide, encourage and motivate you along the way. Um, Liz, you're so awesome at doing it with your um, business partner, Jen. Um, just you guys really bring it to the community. And and so um, so the events are they start in February with a timed mile and then culminate in late May with a virtual team relay, which was such a blast in the last go round of the Love the Run You're With um, series. So got to outline the swag. Um Everybody who takes part in this series gets a Corsa tank top, a tube of noon immunity, two sleeves of goo chews, which includes one of salted lime, which I can't wait to try. Ooh. I might have to pilfer some of those. Have you ever tried I've never had that flavor.
1: <laughs> uh. Salted lime sounds it's. Like Beth was talking about mojitos, it just makes me think about mojitos. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) Bring a little leaf uh, mint sprig along. Um,
0: uh, Two amazing flavor Bars. They are healthy dark chocolate bars. Um, uh, Cute custom scrunchie and... Of course, a medal. Um, so, and then um, there's opportunity to add on one of four custom hats that are so dang cute. So the program kicks off on February 1st, and again, registration opens on Monday, January 18th. Check it out on anothermotherrunner.com, and you click on the events tab in the top navigation. Again, our website is anothermotherrunner.com. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon, by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles.